0: worship team. Amen. Amen. And what a great pastoral team. Uh, And all the volunteers that are here helping to lead a worship service on a Sunday morning and especially on a day when uh, suddenly uh, the rules of engagement get changed partway through the week. And your lead pastor all of a sudden gets called away. And people step up. And all of you are stepping up in various ways in order to allow these services to be able to continue. And it's just, and it's great. And I'm sure for Gary, it warms his heart. Knowing that each of you are involved and engaged. And you're not just here to be observers. But you're here to be participants in worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I look back to see when it was the last time that it was that I spoke here. And I have no doubt, none of you will remember what it was. <laughs> Even though, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, it really wasn't all that long ago, it was May of 2021. And it was funny because when I went back into my records and I looked it up, I thought, May of 2021, I can't can't picture myself preaching at Westview. And then it hit me. I preached to three people
1: in this room
0: at that time. It was back in the day of COVID, the recording of services, and I preached from here, and there was the three tech people who were making sure that they recorded the thing, and uh, that was it. And we even had a little bit of a glitch and I had to do it a second time through. The poor guys they had to listen to me twice. It was terrible. But uh, it was kind of funny because usually I can envision a congregation where I've had the opportunity to speak. And I couldn't. And so aren't you thankful that we're past those days? <laughs> Josh said, my name is Rob Obelby and I serve as the Executive Minister of the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada. For some of you that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> you have no idea what the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada, or CBWC is, and you have no idea what an Executive Minister does, and you're just wondering why in the world I was even brought in here in the first place. Uh, let me give you a quick snippet, I'll give you a quick snippet of what I do and then I'll give you a quick snippet, more importantly, maybe of who I am. Uh, as the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada is, a, is a, an association of churches, about 160 churches spread across from Vancouver Island to Manitoba, the Manitoba-Ontario border. And I have the privilege of leading a team of about 10 people to whose role, our role really is to walk alongside you. It's the local churches. That are involved in the ministry in their local communities. And our role is to be supportive of you. And so the reason why I had been invited in to speak back in May of 2021 is you were in a pastoral transition time. And Dale Vegett had just finished up, and Yuri Coop hadn't arrived yet, and uh, you were looking for a little bit of help. And that was one of the reasons why I ended up being here at that point in time.
1: When I say, I tell you a little bit about
0: myself. Um, My wife Bonnie and I have been married for 39 years this August. Yeah, yeah. I'm an old man. I get it. I was thinking as I drove up here, yeah, I remember when Nose Creek Drive was at the end of the city. Right? Some of you remember that. Some of you remember probably that Nose Creek Drive didn't even exist. But I came out here from Ontario as a student to attend what was called the Baptist Leadership Training School, a one-year discipleship training program back in the early 80s. And this congregation, this church building, in its original state, had been built around that time. And this congregation was very young in its life. And it's so neat to see the congregation continue to grow and flourish. So I've been involved in pastoral ministry in a, in a few different settings, as well as uh, serving as a regional minister for British Columbia in the Yukon. Ended up spending the last 20 years on the coast, based out of the Greater Vancouver area. And then, uh, two years ago, in COVID itself, in December of 2020, my wife Bonnie and I moved here to Calgary, and we lived down in Bridgeland. Or if you've driven by there, it's Bridgeland. Um, <laughs> Somebody ran ran into the N and the D and uh, so it's just called Bridge Law now and uh, it makes it a little bit strange to tell people where to turn but uh, anyway we're really glad to be back in Calgary and we enjoy being here. We have two daughters both of whom are married. Both couples have a child which means we have two grandchildren and both of our daughters are pregnant again now. Yay! So, yay, yeah, yeah, that's good cheer, yeah. So we're, by all being well, by the end of October, we will have four grandchildren, not just two. And that's pretty darn exciting. That was a huge part of the reason why we moved back to Calgary, was so that we could be closer to our family, and we would enjoy being there very, very much. You know, it was in the early days of COVID that I first heard a particular worship song uh, for the very first time. Now, it may have been out longer than that because I'm just a little slow on my uptake sometimes. But when I first heard it, it was a song that immediately took me back to a Bible story that I had first heard as a child. But it also served as a reminder of the fact that no matter what might be happening in our lives, what might be happening in our world, as people of faith we don't go it alone the song is entitled Another in the Fire it was written by a group by Hillsong United the first verse and chorus go like this there's a grace when the heart is under fire another way when the walls are closing in and when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire, standing next to me. There was another in the waters, holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there's a cross that bears the burden, where another died for me. There are several different stories actually from the scriptures that are referenced in this particular song in one word or one phrase or one line. But the one in particular that I want to focus on this morning and the story that surrounds it is that title line as well for the song. There was another in the fire. You remember the story? If you're somebody who's been reading your Bible for a long time, you probably remember the names of three guys known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Although they're given names were actually Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were young Jewish men who when Jerusalem was raided by King Nebuchadnezzar, they were taken from their homeland to Babylon and were chosen because, interestingly enough, as the scriptures tell us, they were chosen because they were of nobility. They were handsome. They were quick to understand. They were well-informed. And they showed an aptitude for every kind of learning in order to be able to serve in the king's palace. Not a bad character reference, really, right? You may also recall that these young men were God-fearing. And when the command was given that all the people of the land must bow down to an old statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, they refused. And some of the people who weren't happy that these Jewish men were given these important jobs that they themselves would have rather had, they were quick to tell the king of the, the refusal of these three men. And it, was, and it was a bit of a challenge for the king because the king had liked these three. Men. But now all of a sudden, they're going to be called out on the mat before the king. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, we're in the book of Daniel. Chapter three, starting at verses thirteen, and it's and it's a long passage. Some people like long passages, some people don't. So my apologies for that, but but it's good to get the whole story. It's good to get the whole context here. So we pick it up at verse thirteen. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, "Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego?" that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, wire, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, or the bass, the keyboard, the drums, the, no, a little bit different nowadays, but these were, these were the music, musical instruments of the day. When you hear the sounds, if you're ready to fall down and worship the king, the image that I made, then very good. But if you do not worship it, You will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards the changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, firmly tied Fell into the blazing furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, "Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire?" They replied, "Well, certainly." He said, "Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods." Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire. Glory. What a vivid and dramatic story. And as children, when we first heard it, it was pretty powerful, right? It's one that you don't really forget. That like there was a mean king, there was brave men, there was a fiery furnace, and a miracle that happened that was so profound that not only did these men not die. Their clothes weren't saved. They didn't even smell like fire. And as someone who is now much older, as I referenced to earlier, and has experienced life a fair bit more, i got to say I'm still amazed by this story for a couple of key reasons. One is because of the faith and the courage shown by these three men. You know, not only did they not bow down to the statue of the king at the appropriate time when the music sounded, but even when the other people squealed on them and they were brought to stand in front of the most powerful man in the whole kingdom who did have a soft spot for them, did offer them a second chance and a way out. But even right there, standing to his face, they still refused to bow down to him. And not only did they just refuse to bow down to him, but they also fearlessly told him that they were not afraid because they knew that their God would protect them. What an amazing and powerful example of faith, even in the face of a life and death situation. What do you think? Would you have it? Do you have it in you? And I don't think it was just a blind faith. It wasn't that they were given a heads up that we're told about anyway. We're not told that they were given a vision by God ahead of time to say, don't worry about it. He'll protect you. I'll protect you. Don't worry about it. There's this hot, blazing, fiery furnace that you might get thrown into, Don't worry. I got you. They haven't been given that vision. It wasn't that they were just kind of hopeful, hoping that maybe things worked out in their way. They earnestly believed that God would deliver them, that God would protect them, but then as men of faith who understood what it really meant to put their trust in God, no matter what, they also said to this powerful ruler that even if God doesn't protect us, even if it does mean that we will die, we would rather die than turn away from God by bowing down to you and your gold statues. Think of difficult situations that you have ever found yourselves in. Imagine the pressure. Imagine the challenge. Imagine the desire to just say, "Well, if we just bow down a little bit, you know, we can fake it. We don't have to believe it in our minds, you know." Just lynch. And they boldly said to the king before them, we're prepared to die that rather than just bow down to you and your old statue. Their faith is incredible. It wasn't faith that was dependent on an outcome that turned out in their favor. Rather it was faith that was grounded so deeply that it didn't waver even when they knew it could cost them their lives. And then along with that faith came the miracle. There was another in the fire standing next to them. God himself, or one of God's angels, met them, kept them, protected them in the midst of a furnace that was so hot that those people that that threw them in lost their lives because they had gotten too close to the flames. How in the world could they survive this? Well actually there is no way in this world that they can survive this. It can only be answered supernaturally through God's intervention. I wanted to share this story with you today because I know that each and every person here and even as I visited here this morning just for a few minutes before the service I recognize how The Spirit of God has prepared me to bring this message here in this place, I think, on this day. Because each and every person who is here knows what it's like to have been in the fire. Each and every person who is here, many of you may be in the fire right now. And if you're not, each and every one of us who are here will be in that fire at some point in time. It may not mean that you'll be called to, to take this, such a definitive stance about your faith. But the promise of knowing, the promise of believing that God is with you, no matter what you are going through, gives us hope. And it will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. years ago about the time that I I guess I gave that message here Um, I I was doing I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and at that time it was decided by medical professionals that we would just observe and see how it progressed and then last year I had further tests and in November of 2022 so a few months back I met with a surgeon who explained to me that the cancer had progressed and that uh, even though it wasn't aggressive, he would recommend having my prostate removed. Men's health, right? We don't talk about it. Sorry, we're going to talk about it this morning. He recommended it and then he explained to me that his waiting list was six to nine months. So at that stage it's one of those times, right, when you are given some news that you have no idea what the outcome is. Even though I was being given all kinds of very positive um, results and, and stating that this should we should be able to deal with it without any problem. You're still told you got cancer. And you're life wondering. And so my wife Bonnie and I had decided we'd been, we'd been waffling about taking a trip. Taking a, a one month sabbatical in, in the middle of January to the middle of February. Had been waffling about it. this kind of confirmed. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's take the time while we got it. And um, so we decided that we would, we would take that trip. And We ended up spending three and a half weeks in the Philippines with uh, some extended family members of ours. and We had a wonderful time there. And now the thing that I'm about to tell you is probably the one thing that you will all remember from this message and you'll remember nothing else but if I come back in a couple of years if I trust that you'll remember this. Did you know that they have Tim Hortons in the Philippines? <laughs> <laughs> one person did. There you go. Yeah. Unbelievable. Driving down the road. in We had a wonderful time there. About a week after we returned, I received a call from a different surgeon's office saying that they had three dates within the next month that I could be fit in for surgery. And so we took one of those dates. And so on March 15th, which if you're starting to think that was five and a half weeks ago, I got a pretty good idea at the time. It was five and a half weeks ago. I had surgery. And I must admit that when you're going through something like this, where you have absolutely no control, and you have to completely give yourself over to the care and the well-being of other people, my prayer life soars to new heights. I don't know about you, but i got to confess, it's kind of how it works with me. Like I said, I know some people are very private about these things. They would rather not tell others, particularly the type of surgery it is. And I know that theologically speaking, the number of people praying for something isn't how God makes his decisions about how things will work out. I do understand that. But I spread the word far and wide. asking people to pray for me. And I know that they did. How can you tell us the time, first time I've preached since my surgery? And I know that they did not just because so many people told I knew I was not alone in the fire and I'm so thankful to report that in my recovery that my recovery has gone so incredibly well and my pathology report came back two weeks after the surgery where my surgeon phoned me himself and he said there's no sign of cancer in my lymph nodes removing the prostate i cancer free and it's kind of fun to be able to tell the story Fires do come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them are incredibly intense, like that fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of them are just small challenges. About a year and a half ago, I led a, a memorial service for another extended family member who, in his late 20s, had taken his own life. He had gone out onto the ocean on a paddleboard late at night and didn't return. And from the evidence that was gathered, the police determined it was not an accident. And as you can only imagine, and some of you may have gone through this type of an experience, but as you can only imagine if you haven't, that family has felt like they have been in the fire ever since they got burned. I had never led a funeral before for someone who had taken their own life, thankfully. But even at my age, in life of ministry, I hadn't. And I wrestled, I wrestled so profoundly to try to find something meaningful to say. And I ended up using these words from Psalm 139 in the message that I gave at his memorial service. And the words that go like this, My hope in using this particular text was to attempt to reassure the parents of this young man that even in his final moments of life, and even though he did not live, that he was not alone, but that God was with him. I've always loved that particular passage, and I think it's one of those passages that some people embrace and some people don't. some of us are trying to hide from God. And we're told in this passage that you can't. And others of us know and recognize that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we do want God to be with us there. We need God to be with us there. And I know it's a matter of faith are given by being invited to believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We just celebrated Easter. We rejoice in the risen Lord Jesus and for his invitation for all to believe. But it is a matter of faith, isn't it? chapter 11, I've always appreciated these words at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 because they define I was doing a them. Some of you might know that uh, what that is. It's kind of like a personality and profile understanding. I'm a pretty concrete thinker. I'm pretty linear, pretty and white uh, all this kind of stuff. And I like it when somebody actually tells me what something means. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the first couple of verses, we're told now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope and certain of what we do not see. And in some ways, you try to wrap your mind around that, you think, how in the world can that be? That's what faith is. We might not always see of God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, walking around the fiery furnace, what's Nebuchadnezzar saying? Hold on, there's four in there. Didn't we throw in three? There's four of them. We won't always necessarily see that other person, but it's by faith that we believe that our God is there in the fires of life that we find ourselves in. We don't have to go it alone. Way too much loneliness in our world, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we don't have to go alone. And I know that there are all different financial, or are all different types of fires. For some, you might be dealing in financial fires, debt, rising inflation pressures. For some, it might be marriage. You're worried because your relationship is breaking down and you wonder if it will survive. For some it might be health. For some it might be work. For some it might be... What is it? Take them all. Fill in the blank. Find yourself in today. One of the fires that I find myself in these days, and I must admit for the last several years, is helping to association of churches in a common direction while living in a day and a time when division and diversity seem to be so prevalent and the individual voices are so dominant. So much of our energy is focused on our differences that we get distracted from our mission. And that causes assure you that you don't have to go alone. Whatever the fire is that you are facing, you don't have to go alone. And I know that we have one another. I have no doubt that here in this community, you have one another that you lean on and you cling to and you hold on to and you encourage and you support. And you know that when one person is in the fire, your role as well is to come along beside them and to walk with them and encourage them and be there with them. And then when it's your turn to be in the fire, they to you. And that's one of the beautiful things of church. Church is in this building. Church is each and every Privilege of being able to walk alongside one another no matter what the circumstances of life. And sometimes you might say, well, you know some of those people in church? If it wasn't for church, I would never be around those people. so, we take incredible comfort and strength from that. This morning I want to remind you that alongside of each other is the fact that you do not walk alone because not only are these people who are next to you with you, but God himself walks with you. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the water holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there's a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. May we pray again. Our Father and our God, we, we come to you today As people of thanksgiving. As people of faith. As people of hope. As people who need you. We thank you for the examples of stories that are in the scriptures. And and, and it might be that for many of us, we haven't thought about this particular one for a long time. But Father God, we thank you for your reassurance to us you walk with us no matter what that fire might be that we face. Help us to not lose sight of you. Help us to cling to you, to hold to you, to know that you are God, and to be a thankful people, grateful,